Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning, America! We are live from the Bismarck studio. It's the top of the hour. I'm Father Justin Wall. I'm Father Josh Wall. And we are the Sons of Thunder! I've been drinking coffee since 4 a.m., man. We're ready to go. we got a great show for you today. A lot of great guests coming up, everybody. So, as always, we would like you to call, text, get on Facebook, whatever social media platform you do, and tell everybody to tune in to the Sons of Thunder Real Presence Live. We're going to be taking calls later in the show. And, uh, like I said, we got one heck of a show for you this month. I want to turn it over to the Younger Thunder to call down a blessing upon us. I love that we have that music, and then we go straight into prayer. Uh, so, for this Lenten season, this is from Isaiah 53. He was spurned and avoided by men, a man of suffering, like one from whom you turn your face. Yet it was our pain that he bore, our sufferings that he endured. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us this morning. We ask as we enter in deeper to this Lenten season that you draw us deeper into the mystery of what your Son did for us. We ask for the Holy Spirit to be with us throughout the radio waves to touch the hearts and minds of all who are listening. And we ask your blessing upon this show. We ask all this through the intercession of our Mother as we pray. Hail Mary. Full, Full of grace, grace, the, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, everybody, good morning. We're going to turn it over to Eli in Fargo for a preview of the show. All right, thanks, Father. Good morning. Um, starting off this morning, we'll be kicking it, or sorry, crushing it with Bishop Kagan in uh, in our first segment. After that, a firm spiritual foundation is key when it comes to how, how seminarians are prepared for the priesthood. How exactly is that formation formed? Well, we'll find out as we visit with Father Robert Horahan, Rector of Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary in Winona. He will also preview the upcoming Bishops and Rector Dinner, a big event which helps support the seminary and seminary formation. And do our priests and laity work together as much and as well as they could to build up the kingdom of God? Can more be done to unite them? These are the questions we'll ask Father Tyler Dennis of the Diocese of Rapid City as we talk about the theme of this year's Pastoral Ministry Days, which is One Spirit. That and a whole lot more coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. Father? Thank you, Eli. As he just gave us a nice preview of the show, we are uh, looking forward to receiving all these guests and interviewing them today. And kicking it with Kick, Bishop it David with King. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's that time that everybody loves because it wakes everybody up and we get down to the truth with real news versus fake news. We have the one and only Crushing It with Bishop David King. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> 
Jeez, I was <coughs> speechless almost. I like kicking it. Kicking it was gagging. Yeah, we got, we got, we got the cake, yeah, double yeah, double K in the morning. That was yeah. that was, that was uh, a little inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Well, when we wrote this though, we we, we wrote it with a K, crushing it with a K. With a K. We thought that was really. <laughs> I don't think anybody can see that. Nobody can see that on, in in yeah. the studio, but that's what we have. Okay. Well, Bishop, we are about halfway through Lent, mm-hmm. and this show is sort of dedicated to the theme of good practices uh, during the Lenten season. And I think maybe one of the best practices out there is confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you maybe uh, speak to you a little bit to our listeners about a good regular practice of confession, making a good confession uh and maybe your experience over the course of your life as as a priest mm-hmm. um now as a bishop just watching the freedom that people have with that sacrament uh yes uh, and of course uh, the lenten season puts into uh, truly the clearest possible focus what the church teaches about this great sacrament and why it teaches uh the frequent use of the sacrament and uh, you know sometimes uh, people get into habits that are a little difficult to change and uh, you know if you're in the habit of you know I I get to confession a couple of times a year uh, you know I, I just continue to do that and okay uh, if of course you've not committed any mortal sins but the church has always uh, taught and and urged all of us to the frequent use of the sacrament of confession, uh, even the confession of those venial sins that, you know, certainly don't uh, amount to mortal sins. But sin is sin. Uh, every sin is a a. A, a slight or a, a total rupture of our relationship with God. And the use of the sacrament uh, of uh, reconciliation restores uh, to the full our relationship with God as well as our relationship with the church because every sin not only affects my relationship with God, but in some way, directly or perhaps indirectly, uh, it affects my relationship to the church, uh, that body of Christ uh, (coughs) to which we belong and are to uh, do our best to remain in in full and and virtuous communion uh, with but I, I go back to the preface for Ash Wednesday because sometimes as Lent progresses, Ash Wednesday becomes kind of a vague memory for everybody. <laughs> right. But the preface uh, talks about uh, we're asking God, our Heavenly Father, uh, to uh, give us what we need to not just maintain but to strengthen the discipline of Lent. Mm. And that means something very particular for the church. Uh, The discipline that the church speaks of isn't a punishment. It's that, uh, how best to describe it, it's that constancy, that regularity 
of daily prayer, works of charity and mercy as we're able to perform them, and uh, real acts of self-mortification. We don't do any of those alone or together for their own sake. They are the means to uh, strengthening our faith, our hope, our charity. They are the means to strengthening our resolve to avoid temptation and sin. And in the process, keeping the discipline of Lent uh, makes us virtuous, more virtuous, and helps us fulfill our, the very first and fundamental vocation each of us receives in baptism, and that is to holiness of life. And so with regularity, uh, you know, and the church doesn't, and it, it, contrary to what some people have said or, or think, the church has never uh, prescribed a schedule for going to confession. When I was in the seminary, and I, I'm, I'm sure when you were, you were advised as to how frequently, as I was, we should go to confession. Right. But it was always presented as, this is what you ought to do. Right. It's not the church has a regulation that you must go to confession every five days or, you know, pick a time period. That's a good point, Bishop. Maybe you could speak a little bit to the, you have to go to, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but you have to go to Mass at least, what, Christmas and Easter. Or you re- yes. and you're supposed to receive Holy Communion in order to consider yourself Catholic. Yeah. But there is no uh, uh, law that says you have to go to confession. It's presumed. Yeah, you, you are to uh, confess your s- mortal sins at least once a year. Okay. Well, of course, the Church is quite clear about what mortal sin is, and as soon as we are aware that we've committed, uh, committed one, could, could we, before we go to communion again, we... Uh, the church says we are to go to confession and be right. absolved of that sin. Could, could you tell our listeners the difference, just in case anybody's listening out there and wondering, the difference between venial and mortal sin, and then maybe speak a little bit more that you shouldn't be receiving communion right. if you've committed a mortal sin without going to confession? Well, uh, with every sin, there is uh, what it is itself. Um, the My knowledge of what it is and my giving consent to uh, do this well f- it, we were all taught as as little kids by the sisters uh, a mortal sin is a grievous offense against the law of god which totally breaks our relationship with god and the church venial sin was defined as a less serious offense against the law of God, which did not break our relationship with God or the church. And uh, but f- let's just look at at you know I'm not advocating just commit venial sins. That's, <laughs> you know that's okay. It's not okay. As I said, every sin is a betrayal of the love of God for us and our rejection or our unwillingness. To respond in love to God who first loves us. Right. But mortal sin, uh, as we've all been taught, has those very definite components. First, it must be 
mortally sinful, whatever it is, like... Violation uh, of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Uh, uh, murder. Yeah. Uh, adultery. Uh, yeah. Adultery. Uh, that sort of thing. Missing Sunday Mass for no yes. reason. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, th- because you're violating the Third Commandment of God. Yep. Uh, but uh, it must be, in and of itself, grave matter. Uh, I must... Uh, intend that, you know, I know my obligation is to go to Sunday Mass, and I'm just not going to do it this week. Right. Watch the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I, and uh, then you actually have to commit the act, yep. uh, whatever it is, the sin. And the Church says uh, mortal sins uh, are to be confessed before you receive... Holy Communion again, otherwise you're committing an equally grievous sin of sacrilege. Yeah, exactly. you know, you're, in a sense, uh, defacing, if you will, or abasing one of the sacraments instituted by Christ for our salvation. And so, uh, the, uh, the best advice I ever received uh, growing up in the seminary, and I've tried to observe it for my entire time uh, when I was first given the advice to the present is a good practice is about every 10 days to two weeks go to confession. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a purgative experience. It's not that uh, you, you have mortally sinful things to confess but those uh, those aggravating things, uh, resentments of other people, rash judgment of other people, getting angry, uh, you know, those things that just seem to nag at us. The grace of the sacrament of penance does wonders. It's, as I said, it's a purgative, purifying experience to uh, be truly sorry for those things and be resolved, I'm going to do my best not to commit these sins again. Exactly. Uh, grace isn't magic, but if we're tr- sincere in, in, and contrite of heart, grace assists us in, for instance, holding our tongue when we'd like to just respond in kind to somebody who says something insulting or mean or whatever it is. Yep. You know, uh, and uh, people can't forget, we sin by commission as well as omission. Yep. And uh, one can be as serious as the other. Yeah, you know? exactly. So when you or I have an opportunity to speak up and correct somebody who is saying or doing something that's wrong and we don't well why don't we well the grace the actual graces of the sacrament of penance stay with us and we have to use those graces and you know you bring up a good point and I'd like everybody to really think about this because uh, I think confessions coming back uh, I think once people mm-hmm. experience it, they start practicing it even more because there is a freedom there. Yeah. But w- your point, Bishop, about the habitual practice of it, 
I'm convinced that a lot of what we do spiritually and uh, sacramentally in this life leads us to the final hour of our life, which is frankly oh, yeah. the only hour that matters. Yeah. And having seen both sides of it, one who has practiced devoutly their entire life, when they get to that hour, they're making one of 10,000 confessions. Yeah. It's easy. They're, they're at peace. They're ready you know, to head into eternal life because they mm. know the mercy of God because they've communed in confession with the right. Sacred Heart of Jesus so many times. Versus the deathbed conversion, mm-hmm. which can be, uh, you know, a, a, a painful and, and freakishly scary experience for some people. Mm-hmm. Now, the Lord forgives them in that moment, but it's not as easy as the person that yeah. has been habitually practicing. Well, see, this. and that uh, that's very true, but we can't minimize that deathbed conversion either. Right. Uh, because <laughs> that uh, we have the, uh, the perfect example of it of St. Dismas dying alongside Jesus on the cross. One of the most and, beautiful examples. Yeah, and in a span of perhaps a minute or two, he, he gains heaven, <laughs> right. you know, simply because he recognized, I am a terrible sinner. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jeez, what a way to... Exit. I hope I can die like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, maybe not crucified, but I hope I can die like that. As they say, yeah. Archbishop Sheen said, uh, "The thief, his last act of thievery was he stole, stole heaven. He stole heaven, <laughs> exactly." And uh, it, that's the power of this sacrament. Yeah. So everybody, it's not, it's not made up. The Church just didn't devise this seven hundred years after the resurrection. This comes directly from Christ himself. So everybody, we want you to consider making a good confession this Lent. If you haven't already, we want to thank Bishop Kagan for being on and speaking to us about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. It's our first break. When we return, we'll get an inside look at how seminarians are prepared spiritually for the priesthood. Plus, get your questions ready for Straight Talk with The Brothers. Brothers. We're looking forward to taking your calls. We'll see you on the backside of the break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio. Did you know the signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming? Have you ever thought about running radio spots on the RPR network? We want to partner with you to help gain exposure for your business in front of a very faithful customer base. To find out more about your options, please call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, laughter, celebrating Mass together, and friendships. Here at Riverview, we have all those things and more. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. With Senior Independent Living Apartments and our Crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance, it is the sense of community here that makes Riverview home to all of us. Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. You've got Real Presence Radio right now. If you're listening to it, you're probably sitting back saying, Huh, Real Presence Radio is a huge part of the driving culture of promoting Catholicism. And it is. I mean, how many commercials have you heard from previous interviews, especially people calling into this network saying, You know, you have changed my life. I was driving. I travel a lot. You know, I I was laid up. 
for whatever reason I'm you know I was at home I was listening to that particular program or, or that teaching and it totally changed my life so it's not just happenstance that this is working the way that it does the Holy Spirit can connect with people on a multiple or multiple different levels and the radio network is one and the spirits telling you you know what be a part of this mission help me save souls keep uh, you know RPR on on the live network so people uh, have this beautiful ministry available this is Cindy Detterman from St. Joseph's in Brooks thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio you're listening to the RPR network now back to more Real Presence Live Welcome back, everybody. I'm Father Justin Wall. I'm Father Josh Wall. And we are the Sons of Thunder. And we are back live. We had a dead zone out in Minot and we Bismarck. Yeah, let's apologize to all those people out there in Minot, Bismarck, Williston. I got the flux capacitor back up and running. I prayed a prayer of exorcism over the whole diocesan radio network. That's a good point. The devil doesn't want us on the air because it's the good news, not the fake news. We're bringing you the gospel. And he doesn't want us to talk. The the topic we were talking about with Bishop Kagan, and we'll have a little bit more on straight talking throughout the show, is confession. And uh, isn't it interesting that the one time we talk about confession on this radio, it goes down. I mean, incredible. No, he does not like confessions. If you're listening out there, everybody... Make a good confession this night. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a bit. A firm spiritual foundation, though, is key when it comes to how seminarians are prepared for the priesthood. Father Josh knows all about that. Dang right, I do. Director. How exactly is that foundation formed, though? We'll find out because we've got Father Robert Horahan on the phone. Father Robert, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing great. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're the rector out there at uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary in Wyona. Yes, indeed. Uh, so I am, I'm in my third year as rector. I had been here uh, as a faculty member for a little bit before that uh, and was very happy to be just kind of the low man on the totem pole. And then we had a little <laughs> shift in the diocese, and the bishop asked me, uh, he, actually he approached me and he said, you know, uh, the then rector at the time was given a new assignment, and he said, you know, I, I, need a, I need a new rector. And I had plenty of suggestions for him, uh, <laughs> but he wanted me instead. So, <laughs> so here I am, and as I say, I've been at it now as rector for about two and a half years. I'm in my third year. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenging role, but it's also a very great and a blessed role. Yeah, it actually it actually says a lot about your bishop uh, putting you in that position. You know, a, a buddy of mine said when the church finds out that you can w- work hard, she'll work you to death. <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. So, so there you go. That's kind of uh, where I'm at. I'm trying not to, well, you know, not to let it be literal death, but I obviously die to my selfishness that keeps me and myself. Uh, yeah, you and me I both. I myself to the guys. A quick question for you. Is that a major or a minor seminary? It's minor. Uh, We are associated with St. Mary's University of Minnesota, uh, and the guys who are here at IHM do all of their academic work over there. So they come here and and will do their, you know, up to four years. uh, They do the full full sequence of years. Could could you explain, Father, a little bit to our listeners the difference between major and minor and the process of how that works? Yes. No problem. We're happy to do so. So as, um, as, as I'm sure that all of the listeners are aware, it does take a fair degree of preparation to, to be a priest. And there are really two major stages of that preparation. And the first stage is what would take place at what is, what is typically called minor seminary or sometimes college seminary in the United States. And that's really in, uh, 
a time for the guys to really kind of discern. The, the men would come here discerning, probing, considering uh, where the Lord is calling them, whether they're called to be a priest. Uh, and so the it's it's more of the remote preparation. And then, and then they're studying also philosophy. It's a, it's a major level is when they're really directly prepping for priesthood in a in a more intentional way. Here, again, at, at minor seminary, it's more about discernment and whether God is calling. And then if they go on, they're pretty convicted, they're pretty con- uh, confirmed in their call, and are really zeroing in on, on a lot of the practicalities and, and continuing to build on the foundation they laid in minor. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, as vocation director, I, I get to see a lot of, uh, you know, what the formation process is. And what would you say for, for minor seminarians, what, what's the most important aspect, do you think, at that point? You know, maybe of the pillars of, you know, pastoral, human, intellectual, spiritual. I mean, they're right. all really, really important, obviously. But is there a, one that kind of sticks out to you in, in the minor seminary formation? You know, I think for me it's it's the spiritual pillar, and especially the life of prayer, uh, because that is where that is where they come to know Jesus. That is where they come to experience His love, His His compassion, His embrace, and then they can learn how to listen to Him. Uh, we come into, especially guys who come in coming here from right like out of uh, high school. You know, we're coming from a culture that's so full of noise. Uh, and there's just this cacophony that's swirling about us. And as they come and learn how to pray, uh, integrate their their relationship with Jesus into every facet of their lives, that's when they can then see, okay, where is he calling me? Is he calling me to priesthood? Awesome. Is he calling me to marriage? Awesome. Whatever the case might be. But really by learning by learning to, to know him in the life of prayer, that's really the critical piece. And everything else centers around that. Father, do you uh, do you and your guys have a scheduled holy hour uh, at the seminary? Yeah, we have regular opportunities every day, and, and depending on the day, we do. Okay. So, for example, on certain days, we'll all come together uh, for a holy hour. And on other days, we kind of leave it to them to, to find the time. But we do make it very clear in our, in our rule of life that that personal prayer, that time before Jesus, I mean, obviously, the, our communal prayer of Mass and the liturgy hours is critical as well, but that that personal prayer and the time with Jesus, one-on-one, is is an expectation. And, you yeah, know, in spirit I, direction and formation advising and everything really accent that. I, uh, I, I just want to really open that up for our listeners, because there's a couple things I want to say here. I, I remember when I'm a 2008 uh, I was ordained in 2008. I went to the Josephinum uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Father Josh here went to the North American College, like yourself. But when I, we had, a, uh, I went to Cardinal Minch in Fargo, and uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. it's now closed. But Father Greg <coughs> Slusherman um, was my rector, and he, like his first year, he basically came and said, you know, we're doing a holy hour every day. And what we mean by that, folks, is. Uh, the seminarians would come uh, in in front of the Lord in, in exposed adoration. Um, and I can remember there was tremendous resistance, you know, to it. Everybody sure. obviously caught up with their studies and everything else. But, I, you know, I started doing a holy hour then, and I've never turned back. And when I got to the Josephinum, uh, there was a handful of us that did one. By the time I left, at least half were doing it. And now it's a formation issue if you're not doing it. Sure, and right I on. think I think this is the renewal uh, of the entire church that's going on, and it begins with the priesthood. There's a book uh, called In Sinu Jesu, 
Yeah. Know, and it, it, he talks about that. It's now it's private revelation, everybody. But it, it, for the folks listening, if you really want a a good read about, uh, I think it's for priests mainly, but I think it applies to everybody coming to the holy hour. Anyway, yep. And and absolutely. really exactly what Jesus is doing and wants and how much it means to him when souls are in front of him. Read that book. I, I, I've been through it twice, and I just can't get enough of it. But the, the gist of it, or several different times, is the Lord says uh, in this book that the, the, the Pentecost, the new Pentecost of the priesthood, begins when all of his priests start doing a holy hour. And I, I think you're seeing it everywhere. You know, I mean, yeah. every seminarian I know, I mean, this is like you, you're either all in with this or you're not. And I think that's where, as you're saying, you know, real discernment is, and, is in that. And, it, and it's interesting that as the, the scandal hits the church, yep. that the renewal of the priesthood is actually happening already. Um, and even that private revelation was given. Say, Father, just uh, we only have a minute or so left, but we did want to get to this uh, upcoming rector's yeah. dinner. Can you speak a little bit to that for the people? Absolutely. We've been doing that for uh, for a number of years here. Uh, this will be the 16th annual Bishops and Rector Dinner. It's basically a fundraiser for IHM. It's an opportunity to to pause and kind of you know celebrate uh, what the Lord has been able to do here in this community, and then also a chance to honor. Uh, someone, you know, who has made a big impact on the Church, uh, especially in the United States. So we've got uh, Archbishop Chaput coming, and we're honoring him, and we're looking awesome. forward to it. So well, he's a be, champion. Uh, yeah, he's a fighter. <laughs> Absolutely he is, yeah. So that uh, program starts at 5.30, the social beforehand at 4.30. Uh, there's, yep, there's, and as, uh, as you said, Archbishop Charles Chaput from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia will be presented uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary Award and we'll give a talk. Uh, where do they get tickets for that, Father? So you can contact the Catholic Foundation of Southern Minnesota, uh, and you can look at our website. Our website is just ihmseminary.org. That will give you some links. That might be the easiest way for people to get it. Awesome. Father Robert Horham, we're thank, we're thank you for being on the show with us. We thank Absolutely. you for the thank work you. you do. God bless you in your ministry. Yeah. Keep thank rocking you. it you up, well, brother. Gentlemen. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks. You too. God bless. So just once again, everybody, that's 5.30, and you want to get tickets, you can call Susan at 507-494-8844. That's 507-494-8844. They're $100, please. It's an RSVP event only. It's going to go uh, to supporting the good work that they're doing at Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary, and we've got a great speaker there, so grab your tickets. Awesome. It's that time for Straight Talk with the Brothers. Coming at you live from the studio in Bismarck, North Dakota. And it's your opportunity, everybody, to call in. We're excited to bring you this segment of Real Presence Live. It's your opportunity to share questions, comments, and topics relating to the faith or whatever you want because the Straight Talk series with the Brothers is willing to answer Anything that you're uh, that you have, yeah, to get have. in the ring, so, man. You want to step come into on, the Waltz's world? <laughs> There's a lot going on right now. We know you have a lot of questions. We need you to call 877-795-0122. I'm going to give you that number again. Again, 877-795-0122. You can be live on uh, the the Sons of Thunder show, uh, or you can get onto Facebook. And you can ask your question through there, or you know what, you can you can you can call in, you can Facebook, you can whatever the other social media platforms there are. I'm sure there's many others. 
Uh, we would give out our personal numbers, but you know we did that once already, and we got like four million texts. So, uh, <laughs> two point one million, actually, with every <laughs> listener exactly. in the area. Because we're talking to two point one million people out there, and we are going to answer your questions during this time. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. I want to pick up uh, where we left off with Bishop David Kagan. Uh, who so eloquently told us and instructed us in the area of good sacramental uh, practice of confession. You know, I think maybe something to, to start this, this segment out is, is I, 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 was, I uh, was listening to a talk. You remember the Passion of the Christ? Um, and when I saw that, I think anybody that's seen it, if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. It's the best time to watch it is during this Lenten season. But I heard a priest, he said this, and I'll never, ever forget it. He said, you know, if you've seen it, it's just shocking what happens to Jesus. And he said this, he said, if that was the remedy, what we saw in that video, if that was the remedy, what was the wound? Right. <clears throat> you know, if, if you look at this where he's being beaten, he's being scourged, he's being crucified, that, that was the remedy. And, and if that was the remedy, what, what, what actually caused that? And I think this is what, uh, at least myself, if I asked the, the listener right now, what is the most serious sin of our age? If I said to you, what's the most serious sin of our age? <clears throat> you might call in, you might say it's abortion. You might say it's uh, child abuse. You might say uh, it's the injustice to the third world. It's the, the, you know, the terrible I- injustice of poverty within the world. I would agree those are all you know, horrific things, but they're not the worst sin of our age. The worst sin of our age is the loss of sin. The loss that a sense of sin, that, that sin really exists. And that's not me, that's John Paul II, and before him, it was Pius Twelfth. Most of us have a, no idea what sin really is. And if you ever watch The Passion of the Christ, one of my questions was, why did it have to be the way it was? Why did it have to be so brutal? And in asking a question like that, it shows how little we grasp about the reality of sin. God, Paul says that Jesus became sin. If you want to see what sin looks like, watch The Passion of the Christ. That it's not legalistic. It's not some arbitrary breaking of a law. It's personal. Very personal. And, and that's what I don't, I don't think we understand that. And that's what drives a person to confession is not, I'm not going to, I don't want to go to hell. It's out of love for the person that I've offended. You know, nothing's crazier when you get a guy that's, you know, it's been five years since my last confession. And they say, I don't really have anything to confess. Right. I, can go, I can't go six weeks, six hours. Yeah, <laughs> without... I, I, I preached about this last Sunday, and I think it's worth saying here in this Straight Talk segment, and that's the fact of the matter is, everybody, that we can kill our conscience. And that is a very scary reality. You know, you get a lot of people that jokingly talk about Catholic guilt, right, everyone? I mean, you know, we got the Catholic guilt. That Catholic guilt is a good thing. <laughs> And it is keeping us off, you know, the wide and spacious road of perdition, hopefully. But the problem is this, and I think this is a, a lot of people walk this road. They know whatever that weakness in their life or whatever that sin is in their life, they, they know initially that it's wrong. And over the course of time of not going to confession and entering into a spiritual battle with the sin in the sacrament of reconciliation, letting the Lord purify you and fight that battle for you, that on the opposite end of it, the only thing we have left if we are not confessing is to self-justify. And that's where the conscience ends up getting killed. So the very thing that, and it goes in stages, the very thing that would have you know, bothered you years ago without going to confession, 
that you've self-justified that over the course of the years of this 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 virus that we call sin, it, it's a living death living inside of you. Once you've ingested it, it's living inside of you, and it's eating away at the conscience, it's eating away at the soul, and eventually it latches on to the depths of the soul in such a way that it now becomes the norm in your life. So it doesn't bother you anymore, whatever that thing was. And that's why you can get somebody that's been away from the sacrament of confession for a long time in your life. They'll tell you, right? Well, I don't need to go. I, you know, here's the, the great classic line that us priests are, well, I haven't killed anybody, Father. Well, you know, okay. Aside from your own soul by not going to confession, <laughs> right? And so the person who is devoutly practicing the sacrament of reconciliation that's the person that probably has the right to complain about the Catholic guilt because their soul becomes so in tune with the Lord that even the slightest infraction, and this is where the saints almost seem crazy, but even the slightest infraction, they, they know that that's offensive to Jesus and or what's offensive actually to Jesus is that it breaks our relationship with him and he loves us so intensely that anything that <clears throat> diminishes even an aspect of that relationship with him is offensive to him because he wants all of us in, in, in the most you know unique and significant way we can't even imagine. Yeah, and I would I, just a little point about the guilt thing, you know, a little uh, catechesis here from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis says he uses the guilt uh, as analogous to pain. So, like, when I was a kid, I was an idiot, okay? <laughs> we all. <laughs> but, but when I was a kid, I remember I looked up, my mom was cooking, and I saw the red burner, and I was like, cool orange you know and i tried to touch it and my hand ended up melting onto the burner and like my mom had to rip me off the burner i was screaming i had my hand and that's part of the reason i'm left-handed um i'm a little ambidextrous but i'm just a weird kind of guy but anyway (laughs) guess what i never did again i never touched a hot burner Okay, so pain is there to protect us from hurting ourselves exactly guilt is actually if you see it in that way is a good thing it's not a bad thing, like the Catholic guilt, like you were saying. It's a good thing because guilt is there just as pain is there to protect the body. Guilt is there to protect the soul. But, you know, again, you're talking to people that say, you know, I really haven't killed anybody. I haven't done anything that bad. I often say to people, I was like, well, have you told an untruth? Well, yeah, I mean, in the last year, I suppose. And I say, have you ever gotten in a fight with your wife? Yeah. So you suffer from anger, maybe resentment? Yeah. And have you ever had an impure thought? Wow, come on. I mean, everybody does. So I said, actually, you're not that good of a person. You're a lying, angry adulterer. (laughs) According to the scripture, maybe, maybe you need to get the confession. Again, people have a call in on Facebook or on telephone, 877-795-0122. We'd love to hear from you. We were talking about confession during the straight talk segment. Maybe that's why, you know, usually we've got people calling in and writing in like crazy. But now that we're on this topic, maybe everybody, everybody's a little sheepish about writing in. You, know? uh, you, can ca- you can call in, let's say this, you can call in or write in, folks, anonymously. You don't even need to share your name because we know that confession and repentance is, is a serious issue. It's a very sensitive issue. Uh, very near and dear to everybody's heart. But what we're looking for today are that we call them the big fish out there. There are people listening uh, in this huge area that we're talking to that that probably haven't been con- to confession in, in a long time. And so as a, as a priest, as a servant of Jesus, I want to invite everybody to make a good confession. So here's how it goes. Most people that haven't been to confession in a long time say... <laughs> I don't know what to do, Father. I don't even know where to begin. You know, in this area of even repentance, I, 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 you know, the sins are, it's been so many years. Maybe there's a couple that are seriously on your heart, but where, where, how do I do this? You do it this way. You go to one of our brother priests, 
behind the screen. Nobody's even going to see it. I mean, you want to talk about uh, us for a second. We don't even have that luxury, right? We go to our brother priest who we're also working with. Can't look in a mirror and absolve myself. <laughs> yeah, we can't exalt ourselves. So, so you have the luxury of going behind the screen. Nobody is even going to know who you are. That's, it's anonymous. Not that the priest even cares. All the priest is interested in is your freedom, your forgiveness, and the mercy of God raining down on your soul, claiming one of the Lord's children back into the flock. And all you got to do is this. The priest can start out in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And if you don't know what to say, that's okay. The norm would be, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. You know, it's been 20 years since my life, whatever it's been. But if you don't even know that, let's say your mind goes blank. A lot of people say that, and my mind's going blank. All you got to do is say, Father, it's been a long time, and I don't have a clue what to do. And at that point, every one of our brother priests, their ears are going to perk up, their heart is lit on fire, and they're going to say, I like saying, well, hey, welcome back, right? Hey. You know, like, this is a good day that you're here. When was your last confession? And then, and then he's going to take you through the Ten Commandments or uh, whatever examine that the priest chooses to use. And all you're going to have to say is simply, you know, yes or no, if you need to elaborate on that. And let me tell you, I'm going to testify to the fact that there, I, and I don't mean to insult anybody, but there is nothing unique about your sin. Everybody <laughs> thinks, oh, well, this thing that I did, nobody else has done it. I have been a priest for, you know, coming up on, on my 12th year here, entering into it, 11 full years. And the whole gamut of, of sin has been presented to me. And, I, I, like, again, I'm not even interested in it. It's like going to the doctor. We don't care about the actual sins. All we care about is your freedom, everybody. We want you to be happy, to be free, and to receive the mercy that every child of God deserves to receive. Yeah, and, I, and another, another uh, possibility, too, is you can get online, you can go to your local parish and just get an examination of conscience. Uh, there are these little booklets that kind of take you through. They have all the prayers, the actual form for confession. And uh, I remember <clears throat> uh, a friend of mine, she got this book from a pastor, and it was this little tiny blue book. It's and the it, blue book. It's the blue book. It's kind of <laughs> like this light blue. It's this picture of Jesus on the front, and it says examination of conscience. And she was like, you know, I, th I thought I was a pretty good person until I got this dang book. Yeah. And then we were all sitting around talking. We and, were having dinner that <clears> night. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the mom was like, well... You know, that that isn't a sin. And, and the daughter's like, it's in the book. I'm telling you, it's in the book. Everything is in this dang book. We got Mark from Wofford City. Great question, Mark. I think you've been on the show before. Thanks for always writing He's on the phone, here. right? Do we have Mark on the phone? Nope. Mark's Maybe not. In by All right. Facebook. Anyway, Mark from Wofford City. Say hi to Mark. You there? Hello? Yes, I am. Sorry, hey, I'm, Mark. No, I'm that's fine. Oil pack, so. Yeah, that's all right. Sometimes there's a little delay in the connection anyway. So uh, you've been on the show before, haven't you, Mark? I have. Okay, well, thanks for calling in, man. We'd love to hear from you. Your question. Um, well, uh, it, it, it's based on I have a, uh, a, a new granddaughter, and my, my daughter w wants to wait to baptize till later she is now going to a um non-denominational church okay and i had two questions uh partly i still don't exactly understand why why we baptize as infants but also what happens to your soul because i know there's an exorcism in the baptism and there's a number of things that happen yep. there uh and um and and then my son-in-law wanted to know why in the 
Bible, or where in the Bible exactly it says we should baptize as an infant. Well, that's a great question. No. First off, congratulations, Mark, on your new granddaughter. That's a beautiful addition to your family, oh. man. <laughs> Thank, uh, you. Thank you. So those are really good questions. So to begin with, uh, why do we, you know, why do we baptize uh, as as infants? And in order to understand that, we got to go all the way back to the early church. So if you can, you know, if you think about what was going on with, say, the apostles, right? This gospel, Jesus, what Jesus had done, the sacramental life, the fulfillment of Judaism. I mean, this was so brand new uh, that it, it, it was basically over the first thousand years of our church swept the world like a tidal wave. And it's actually one of the challenges of our own time. It's almost old news now, and it needs some re, you know, reinvigoration, if you will, so that it, it, people can accept this back in their life. They think they've heard it, but they actually haven't. The point is, is that as people heard it, we know uh, from the end of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, that they, you know, they are instructed by Jesus Himself, in which He says, "Go forth and baptize all people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit," just like He Himself was baptized uh, by John, which is a different type of baptism in the Jordan. So, when we put those two together, every single sacrament has what we call matter and form. Uh, so to, to start with, that it's an invalid baptism, per se, if you just baptize in the name of Jesus like the Mormons do. Uh, you have to baptize the way Christ commanded us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you have to use water uh, as the element of you know the, the sacrament itself. So the form is water. Anybody can baptize. It doesn't have to be a priest, although in the Catholic Church, that's the formal way of doing it. And we should go to the priest at the church to have that done. In the early church, though, Mark, what was going on is that you didn't have a whole adult population of Christians. What you had was a whole adult population of either Jews that were converting, uh, or more commonplace was the pagan, initially Greek, then Roman, and then you know spread throughout the entire world. And so when, 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 when people were coming in, they had uh, predominantly adult baptism, but it was via necessity that they had never heard the gospel before, and these people were becoming Christians. So it's very similar to, we still have adult baptism. I have three uh, you know, converts coming in, not even converts. These are, these are catechumens that are coming in uh, to the Catholic Church this Saturday, and so they'll be baptized as adults. That being said, uh, once we had the adult population baptized, then it, if, if, if this sacrament, as far as you know, we know concretely, if it's necessary for salvation, then the, ob the obvious logical conclusion, which it was very clear to them even in the early church, was once we have a Christian family, now new children coming in that have been born, we want to distribute that sacrament, which leaves an indelible mark, meaning that it washes away original sin and completely and totally changes the soul of that child for all eternity, uh, in divinizes the child into a child of God uh, you know, through the grace of Jesus Christ that that sacrament should be given as soon as possible in case the child were to die. Now, that fortunately is not a common thing these days, maybe at least in the first world, but in the ancient church, or really up until you know quite recently, the death of children shortly after birth or at birth uh, was extraordinarily common. And so not only did they baptize, but they, they, they would confirm and you would receive your first Holy Communion, which in fact certain dioceses do that to this day. That I know in the Fargo Diocese they <coughs> receive all of these sacraments you know, when, when, when they're little. 
Yeah, and I would, you know, you're talking about scriptural references to this. You know, I think one of the things that you were talking about, Father Justin, was, you know, that the, 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 as soon as they heard the gospel, they were baptized, right? You have all these adults. Well, I think in the early church, if you look in like the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16, you know, they're talking about when Paul's talking to these people and all of a sudden they're like, well, we want to receive the fullness of the gospel and says they were baptized at once. Their whole household was baptized all at once. And so the movement of the heart is, I think, as soon as you know the mystery of redemption, you need to make it a part of your life. And when would we do that? Well, as parents, we should get it into our kids as soon as possible. Right, and so that's kind of a major reason for infant baptism. Another one that kind of popped into my head when you were talking was uh, when Jesus says, "Let the children come to me." <clears throat> I had this massive revelation last year, and it's kind of my baptismal homily. And I said, I say to parents, <clears throat> I say I had this revelation: the only person that can stop the child from coming to Jesus is you. You're the only ones. And you need to take that very, very seriously. And I, and I say to him, you know, I, obviously you do because you're here. And you want your child to meet Jesus as soon as they possibly can. But the reality is you can stop them from receiving Jesus. And then the, the story I always tell is I was at Christ the King in my first couple years as a priest. And <clears throat> there was this little kid. And he always came, and he was like, I mean, he just loved Jesus, everything. And he loved everything about the faith, and he was always there, always shook my hand, gave me a hug. Well, then June, July, he was gone. And I was like, where, where do you, where'd they go? They must have moved away. Well, in August, they came back. <clears throat> and I said to him, I'm like, buddy, where'd you go? And he's like, uh, he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you haven't been at Mass the whole summer. And he said, well, Dad says there is no Mass during the summer. Yeah, and I looked, and I'm like, "Really, Dad?" <laughs> you know, and he kind of just. But that's a, a classic way of blocking a child from coming to Jesus. Right. Mark, thank you for your question. Hopefully, we're able to answer some of it. We'll certainly be praying for your family. And again, congratulations to you and your daughter on your new grandchild and her child. Thank you. Take care, Mark. We got Mike from Moorhead wants to talk a little bit about an app on Google that has an examination of conscience. You there, Mike? I am. So you tell us a little bit uh, yeah, about this app. It, yeah, I found this app on Google Play. I don't know if it's an iPad, uh, iPhone app or not, but it's a it's a Catholic confession app. Since you were talking about how to do confession and everything a little earlier, yep, yep. That you go, you go, you get this app, and it goes through the complete procedure for confession, and it does an examination of conscience by going through each commandment and opening up questions about. <laughs> about uh, different things in each commandment that you may or may not do and you, you know, that that would be considered a sin. And you, as you check off the different remarks, they keep track of the list. You take the whole app into the confession with you. You've got a list right in front of you. It gives you the prayers, the opening prayer, the, the uh, when your last confession was. It keeps track of that date, and you goes through, and, and you just list off all your things, and you can have a complete, really, con- really thorough confession by using this app, and so, it can be active contrition at the end and everything. If a, if a, if a person wants uh, to find this, what what do they search for? Just confession app? Go, go to confession app. It's a blue icon with a white C in it, and it's a Catholic confession app. Yep. Yeah, I, I just love it. I mean, this is technology, everybody, at its <laughs> finest. You know, there's a lot of evil that can be done with technology, but on the other end of it, there's a lot of good as well. And some, you know, holy soul right. out there has created an app for your 
uh, ease that you're able, you know, there it is right on your phone. Take it into the confessional, the examination of conscience, the prayers, everything. Mike, thank you for telling the folks uh, about that app. Awesome. Yeah, and we have... um, yeah, thank you. Mary uh, from Mandan, she said, uh, listening to your program, my grandfather said TV would ruin the world. He was born in the late 1800s. Watching TV today desensitizes today's understanding of sin. Hollywood wants our young people to behave like the Kardashians. Young people lose the sense that something is a sin when it is now so normal on TV. I couldn't agree more. Um, the normalizing of uh, sin on TV, I remember... Uh, I think it was Adolf Hitler. <laughs> he said, if you want people to believe a lie, yep, you come it. up with something that is really, really ridiculous, and then you have really, really important people tell you that it's true. And I think that we see that happening all over. You know, and, and, and quite honestly, <clears throat> you know, everybody has the right to freedom of speech, but most of these people are uneducated. And they have no right to have a platform as big as they do. And when they do have that platform, they are not filling their, the ears of their listeners, their followers with truth. They're filling them with themselves. And, and it, I mean, the essence of sin is to be curved in on oneself, as St. Augustine said, in cravatu se, right? To be curved in on oneself. And if, and if, you're, if all you can do is try to stay relevant, then you're going to do crazy stuff. And you're not going to care what people think, uh, and 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 actually you're going to care a lot about what people think, uh, and you're going to do uh, the stuff in order to stay relevant. You don't care if it's true or not. Well, one of the biggest problems right now, bringing this thing back to confession, everybody. If we're honest about it, we have got people all over, you know, the smorgasbord that are quote unquote the authority on many different things that are speaking to us all the time that don't go to confession. <laughs> You know, so, I mean, imagine if you could get everybody in a, in a leadership position in this country just into the sacrament of reconciliation so that they were connected deeply to the Holy Spirit and able to hear the voice of God. I, I would be willing to bet money every one of our American problems, and for that matter, European and everywhere else in the world, if we could just get people free of mortal sin, and, and, and even if they continue to struggle with it, but just, you know... That they're they're healed, they've confessed, they've been absolved, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to humanity's heart the way the Holy Spirit wants to speak to humanity's heart. That all of the craziness and confusion and abrasiveness and garbage that we're experiencing right now would go away overnight because people would actually be able to live in the state of grace. So... I, I don't want to miss this opportunity. We'll be, we're going to continue to talk about it. But if you are listening right now and you're one of these people that have not been to confession in a long time, I'm begging you on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, go to a penance service this Lent. You know, Mike was telling us just a little bit ago about this app. Get the app. Do an honest and sincere examination of conscience. Can't hide anything. It's another thing for everybody to know. If you've ever hidden anything in confession, it's invalidates the confession and until you've confessed that mortal sin every other confession that you're going to have is is invalid so if you just heard that and you're like oh my gosh i remember hiding this you know whatever get online but get, intentional hiding in, in, intentional hiding yeah you know get, but do a general confession that's a whole right. a whole lifelong confession which you're going to go back to second grade when you made your first confession all the way to right now and you're going to just tell the priest that you're doing it and get it. It's it's almost like you know the Protestant altar call. 
and you keep that little thing in your pocket on you know March or April, whatever it was, that made this general confession. And from that point on, you don't ever need to think about those sins again because what Jesus forgives, he forgives absolutely perfectly, and it's eradicated from eternity. So even though the residue of the thing is still in your mind, the fact of the matter is, is that it's gone, and when you die, that dies with you. And the only thing that's left is the is is the good about you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. We have a few minutes left. If somebody wants to get on and and uh, give us a question or a comment or whatever you'd like, I, I want to uh, continue what you were saying. I, I think you know there's all this push in the world of like we need to change, and it's going to be the president that's going to change everything, or it's going to be the economy that's going to change everything, or it's going to be some worldly thing is going to change everything. And if we can just get that, that we're going to be good again. Right. <clears throat> and I couldn't disagree more what this world needs is jesus <laughs> like what this world needs is grace what this world needs is healing and until i remember again archbishop sheen i love to quote him but he said you will never have global peace until you have individual peace like it's a corp the corporate thing has to start with the individual and and again the other thing that kind of i want to pick up there's a little story and i can't remember if it was i think it was saint margaret mary just to give you folks an understanding of what confession does. And uh, Margaret Mary, the, obviously the operations of the Sacred Heart. Incorruptible. <clears throat> yep. And she was going to her conf- uh, her spiritual director and said, you know, I'm seeing Jesus. And he's like, right. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm oh, seeing yeah? Jesus too. Tell me more about that. <clears throat> but she said, no, seriously, I'm seeing him. And, and he just wouldn't believe it until finally he said, you know what? If you're seeing Jesus, then I want you to ask him, what the sins of my last confession were, because only Jesus would know that. And St. Margaret Mary is like, fine, I'll do that. So a week passes, whatever, they meet up again, and she, he says, did you see Jesus? Yeah, I saw Jesus. Did you ask him what my sins were from my last confession? She said, yes, I did. He said, what were they? And she said, Jesus said he forgot. <laughs> he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. And you know, his actual quote because this isn't Margaret Mary Alcock. Got it's Faustina. Yeah, it's Saint Sister Faustina. Yeah. And anybody who knows Father Justin Waltz here, I have such a massive megaton devotion to the Divine Mercy. So Father Sapaco was her confessor, and and uh, Jesus told her, he said, "You tell fa- you tell Father that what I have for- forgiven, I have forgotten and erased from all eternity. I do not know what you speak of." So now here's how this plays out, everybody. You're going to die someday. We all got to die. You got to come into judgment. You're One gonna day come, you're going to wake up dead. You're going to wake up dead. <laughs> and when you come into judgment, if you whatever you have confessed no longer exists. So in essence, I'm like or all of my me and my brother priests are like the greatest defense attorney that you could possibly ever have. Meaning that you come see me and whatever the crime was, we're going to get that straight and worked out long before you come before the just judge to the point where the only thing that's left if you've gone to confession devoutly over the course of your life is the good that Jesus has done with you and through you and in you. Now what a shock on both ends, right? On one end, you didn't confess and the embarrassment of the moment when you knew that you could have but you just didn't. And really the only difference between heaven and hell is one confession. Or on the other end, you get there and I mean... you're those things died with you, and the fact of the matter is that the only thing that's left is the good. I mean, you're absolutely shocked and odd that all this good stuff is is being we said just, about you. We just had a comment saying, anonymous caller thanking us for saying everyone should go to confession. So I, I can't agree more. Uh, get out there. 
that you know is wrapping up our show. We just had one more, and can you squeeze it in really quick? Yeah, we got uh, <coughs> what uh, Jackie from uh, uh, Northwest Kansas. Northwest Kansas, two million people out there listening. <laughs> what could a parish diocese do to inspire people to come to confession more often? Have the pastor <laughs> preach about it passionately over and, and, and over and, and over, over again, and, and over again, and 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 tell people how your experience of confession has changed your life and how absolutely wonderful it makes you feel. That's what and, people need to hear. And Offer it before Sunday Mass. On sa- Saturday evening, yes, but on Sunday as well. If you have a, uh, uh, an associate, get in the confessional before Mass. That's when people are there. That's when people. That's what people want to hear. Thank you for all those who called in and wrote us questions. Uh, reminder, this segment is at 9.30 Central Time every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Coming up after the short break, I have an opportunity to talk to the Handmaids of the Heart of Jesus, my favorite religious order in the entire nation. We'll see you after the break.